Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. When it comes to buying your first home, everyone has questions. Can we even afford to buy a house right now? Well, I need to negotiate. How do I even negotiate? Luckily, a REMAX agent has answers. Hey, Brian, those are really good questions. They are? Thanks. It's my first time buying. I work with first-time buyers all the time. I got you. REMAX agents have more experience than other real estate agents. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Each office independently owned and operated. Welcome to the Smirconish Podcast for Independent Minds. Today's survey question you're going to love. You're going to actually want some wiggle room, but I'm not giving it to you. Kyle Rittenhouse, vigilante, patriot. Vigilante or patriot? And I'm sure many are, wow, maybe it's a little bit of both. I mean, he's a patriot, but he was acting as if it, nah, nah, I'm not allowing that in between. It's all or nothing. Go to Smirconish.com and cast your ballot on Kyle Rittenhouse. I watched a lot. I read a lot. I didn't watch all, but enough to form a, uh, a fixed opinion of what went down yesterday in Kenosha. You've heard from others, and I am here to reaffirm it's always a risky proposition to put a defendant on the stand. I never had a choice as to whether in practicing as a plaintiff's civil litigator, a plaintiff's trial lawyer, I'd never had a choice. My clients had the burden of proof. They were suing someone. It was for money damages. I always had to have my clients testify. That's obviously not the case in a criminal context. Uh, And yeah, it's risky, especially when your client's only 18 years old. I have to say at the outset of reflecting on the Rittenhouse trial, I find him to be I find him to be an unusual young man. I can't quite put my finger on exactly what it is. And I I don't just mean his decision to go to Kenosha and involve himself in civil unrest. That's an unusual decision. I know some of you will think, well, you know, thank God we have people willing to involve themselves in such situations. That's not what I'm talking about. And I I hear so loosely today, it's become a part of our lexicon, and I'm not even sure what it means half the time, where people will say, you know, so-and-so is on the spectrum. It's become a, uh, you know, it's become a... A phrase that you yeah. use to describe. Well, because, there's, there's something amiss yeah. with him. Having nothing to do, by the way, with the case. this case, this legal case. There's there's so much that interests us about Kyle Rittenhouse that has nothing to do with the fundamental issue before the court. It's so I, I said this to you yesterday, Michael, that people in my orbit all are saying, but he shouldn't have even been there. And I have to be the one as like, I'm an expert. I'm not an expert, but I just know it from working with you that that is not the issue. That's not the question at hand. And there are all these other questions about like, why was he there? What it it doesn't, none of that matters, right? Well, I'm so glad you said that because by taking the stand, he takes an enormous risk. 
He takes an enormous risk because, you know, in one sentence, he can seal his fate. And frankly, even before he testified, the perception was, and I share it, that the case had not gone in so well for the prosecution. I think it paid off. I think it paid off for Kyle Rittenhouse. Soon we will know. I think it paid off because Kyle Rittenhouse had the ability to tell his story. He was able to communicate and he was, to my eye, extremely well prepared. And I say that not only with regard to the critical sequence, but on other subjects that would otherwise not have gotten in front of the jury, which is your point, TC. You know, his decision... And notice how much of the cross-examination by the prosecutor focused on his decision to involve himself, to bring a gun, to come to Kenosha. If he hadn't testified, all of that would have stayed out for the jury. You know, he doesn't live there. He lives in Antioch, Illinois. He traveled to join other armed citizens on what was the third night of protests, all having begun because of reaction to the shooting of Jacob Blake. He's there seemingly to protect private property. And in his case, it was a a used car business where the owner said his business needed defending. Kyle Rittenhouse had no direct connection to that business or that man. His ties to Kenosha um, what did he say? That he, he had a new job as a lifeguard in that county. He had friends and family who were in that area, uh, his father in that area. But, but he, you know, it's not as if he were a resident of that town. So to the extent that I have a trained eye, and I think having tried cases, I do, what I most saw was someone very well prepared by his lawyer very well prepared by his lawyer. And again, it's a case that titillates us for a lot of reasons that are not presently before the jury. The facts of this case, they're not even in dispute. He shot and killed two men and he wounded a third. Okay. Everybody agrees. Kyle Rittenhouse shot and killed two men, wounded a third. He faces six criminal counts. Here's what they are. First degree intentional homicide. Let me stop right there. This is a murder case. This is a murder case. That's what that's what they call murder in Wisconsin. Uh, that is for fatally shooting Joseph Rosenbaum, who was 36 years old. Anthony Huber, 26 years old. I mean, it's sad. The whole freaking thing is just sad. And wounding a third man, then 26th, uh, again, on the third night of protests in Kenosha. Now, He is also being charged, as I say, reckless homicide for killing Rosenbaum, a charge of attempted first-degree homicide for shooting Grosskreutz. Is that the pronunciation? Grosskreutz. He also faces two felony charges of recklessly endangering safety. And I want to underscore the last charge that he faces because I think it's the one that presents him the most peril, a misdemeanor charge for possession of a dangerous weapon by a person under 18. He was 17 at the time. I don't know how he gets out of that. I I don't know. I think the the last charge is the one where he's most vulnerable because of that gun. He had an AR-15 style rifle. Look at my notes here because every time there's a, a weapon involved in one of these cases, somebody will call me. I'm trying to foreclose the individual who's right now phone in hand in case I misstate something about that. It's not that type of a weapon. A Smith & Wesson 
MP15, a military style semi automatic weapon that was purchased for him by his friend Dominic Black. It's the gun, I think, that, that could cause him some problems. In Wisconsin, lawful gun owners can generally open carry without a permit, but a person must be 18 or older to carry a dangerous weapon. He was 17 at the time of the shooting. His attorneys previously argued that he was protected under a vague state law that allows younger children to carry rifles for hunting, but he was charged with underage, unlawful use of firearms possession. Anyway, the criminal defense attorneys who specialize uh, in this area say it's going to be really, really hard for him to beat that charge. What happens if he's convicted of that? It's a misdemeanor. The maximum penalty is up to nine months in jail or a $10,000 fine. Usually it gets resolved with probation. The more serious charges could end him uh, in prison for life if the most serious counts were to result in conviction. I don't think that'll be the case. We had a great lawyer. I'm going to remind you of what he said a week ago today, I guess, as a matter of fact, saying at the time, that he believed that the case had been overcharged. As this case was beginning, our guest uh, here, Mr. Booker, the former DA in Waukesha County, Paul Booker, uh, we, we had this great local sage, and he said, you know what, I think the prosecutor's overcharged in this case, and, and then he educated us on self-defense in Wisconsin. Something else that I just want to make clear Um, Before I get to a little bit of sound, the timeline of the case began, as I said, with the shooting of Jacob Blake, right? Uh, African-American man in his car. The cop was exonerated. But the case is not about race. You know, Rittenhouse and all those he shot, all white. This would be a significantly different set of circumstances outside the courtroom. Law would be the same. But if any of his victims had been black, I I worry about what this case would have become. The prosecution has rested. So now the defense has the ball. They call Kyle Rittenhouse something very important. He has no obligation to testify in his own behalf. Why? Because he's got a Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination. And that was one of the issues yesterday. There were two things that, that the judge was really pissed about. One of them was that the prosecutor in cross-examining Rittenhouse sought to exploit his heretofore silence, right? In other words, Rittenhouse Rittenhouse didn't have to say a, a peep up until now, nor does he have to say anything now. And the prosecutor in cross-examining Rittenhouse sought to exploit that, and that's what caused the, the judge to go off the rails. What do you have, TC? Do you have the the question that was posed? I do. So I have where the prosecutor is nice. asking about the silence. Do you want to hear that first? Please, yeah. Okay. Since August 25th, 2020, this is the first time that you have told your story. Sustained. Since August 25th, 2020, you've had the benefit of watching countless videos of your actions that night, correct? I've seen certain videos, not all of them. I've seen the majority of them actually here during the trial. You've also had the opportunity to read articles. People have written interviews, 
things like that about what happened that night, correct? I, I do my best to avoid what people write on the internet. A majority of it is not true. You have also sat here through eight days of trial, correct? Yes. And you've had the opportunity to watch all of the videos yes. that have been played in this trial? Yes. Sir, if you could please let me finish my question before answering. And I will do my best to let you finish your answer before I go on to the next question. Fair? Yes. You've also had the opportunity to listen to the testimony of all 30-some witnesses that have testified in this trial so far, correct? Yes. And after all of that now, you are telling us your side of the story, correct? Correct. Um, I'm going to ask you folks to go on the library for just a second. Judge has heard enough now. Now, now that you know the judge's ears are are peaked, and he senses that this is a violation of the Fifth Amendment right that Rittenhouse has against self-incrimination. He he can't be judged for not having spoken. In fact, in fact, let me say it this way: If Kyle Rittenhouse had not taken the stand in his own defense, there would have been an instruction read to the jury before they began deliberations, saying, you can't hold that against him. So now here comes the judge. The problem is, this is a grave constitutional violation for you to talk about the defendant's silence. And that is, and, and, the, and you're, right, you're, right on the, you're right on the borderline. And you may... You may be over, but uh, it better stop. Understood. This is, I can't think of the case, the initial case on it, but it's, uh, this is not permitted. All right. Um, ask the jury to come in, please. So I, I, you know, the defense is asking for a mistrial with prejudice. With prejudice, which means... They don't want to come back and do it again. They want the judge to dismiss this case in a way that Rittenhouse can't be tried. I may be wrong. I may be wrong by the time I look up at the television after finishing these words. I don't think they're going to get a mistrial on that basis. The second issue had to do with the defense lawyer trying to get before the jury something that the judge had precluded from being the case. You know, there are a whole host of pre-trial uh, there aren't there aren't many surprises at trials, ladies and gentlemen, because the rules are the rules and everything's been hammered out in advance. And through the discovery process, particularly in a civil case, everybody knows what the other side is sitting on. There's a similar exchange of information in a criminal realm. So, you know, the fact that, that something shocking happened in court is so, so um, rare because there are decisions made in advance as to what the the terms of conduct will be. In this case, the video of Kyle Rittenhouse talking about, I think the looting was at a CVS and how he wished he'd had his gun because he would have shot those people. The, the prosecution was barred from bringing that in. But this is what really upset the judge yesterday when he perceived them seeking against his order to do so. You know why it was excluded in the first place? Because it's, it was propensity evidence. That is exactly what 90404 is designed to prevent. You're talking about his attitudes. His attitude is he wants to shoot people. Now, I've admitted that kind of evidence in other trials when it's been appropriate. I didn't admit it in this case because, to me, 
What I've heard in this trial, and by the way, Mr. Richards absolutely correctly points out that just hours ago, I said I had heard nothing in this trial to change any of my rulings. That was before so the why testimony, Your Honor? Pardon me. That was before the Don't testimony. Don't get brazen with me. <laughs> uh, uh, TC, I'm going to say that to you. Very well. Don't get brazen with you me. Know very well that an attorney I give you can't my go word into as these Biden. types of areas when the judge has already ruled without asking how many outside us, the presence of the jury to do so. How so many don't of give us, me that. How many of us will say, "Don't get brazen with me today"? Don't get brazen. That with sounds me. like a, that sounds like a word my mother would have used as she was reaching for her ruler. Oh boy, her yardstick. Pardon me. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, here's the issue. Let Let's distill this. Okay. Will his conduct be viewed as self-defense under applicable Wisconsin law? In other words, did he have a reasonable fear that he'd be killed or he was going to sustain some really big injury and that he then responded in a reasonable way? Indulge me for two minutes. This is Paul Booker, Wisconsin lawyer, former DA in Waukesha County, 40 years or thereabouts trying cases. He was a guest here last Thursday, and he broke it down in a great way. In lay terms, what is the applicable self-defense law? In Wisconsin, I can only speak to Wisconsin, but most states yeah. pretty much follow this. Is It's a, it's a two-prong analysis. Uh, it's not that complicated. First is, did he really believe, or is he lying? Did he really believe he had to use self-defense? Deadly force, deadly force. Did he really believe he had to use deadly force? And I believe the videotapes in and of themselves satisfy that first prong, to be honest with you. But the second prong is, was his belief at the time he, at the time he used deadly force, which is three different times, once when he shot and, and killed the, the uh, first victim, uh, Mr. Rosenbaum, Second, when he shot and killed the second victim, Mr. Huber. And third, when he shot and, and significantly wounded Mr. Grosskrantz, uh, Gross I believe. Um, was his belief, which I think the jury will accept, objectively reasonable? So it's a subject of objective analysis. And the objective, in law school, I used to call it Mr. Tarm or Miss Tarm, the average reasonable man or the average reasonable person in today's society. What would you do? That's what I would say to the jury. If I were on the defense team, I would get in their face as close as I could. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, if you were lying on that ground and you were in that situation, regardless of how the heck you got there, what would you do? That's really the issue. What would a reasonable person do in Mr. Rittenhouse's situation, and you need to make eye contact with every juror. What would you, it's rhetorical. You don't expect a response, but what would you do? What would you do? Twelve times. What would you do? What would you do? He's lying on his back. Uh, the first individual is trying to get the gun away from him. The second individual is wailing on him on a skateboard, and and uh, according to the opening statement, may or may not have been armed. Uh, the third individual was armed. So what would you do in that situation? All of this is unfolding in a matter of, I, I can't remember the opening statement, but a matter of probably less than a minute. Uh, he ran. He didn't shoot anybody else. So I think they had a pretty good case. My bottom line here, Michael, is I think he's going to be acquitted of all counts except the first count, the first three reckless homicide, when he's on, his, uh, on the back 
and the individual, uh, Mr. Rosenbaum, is trying to take the rifle away from him. I wonder I wonder if, back in real time now, I wonder if Counselor Booker even thinks he'd be convicted of that. Um, should he have been there? Should he have been there? You'd be right to say, no, should never have driven over to that town and involved himself. And he shouldn't have had a gun. Okay, shouldn't have had a gun. He was 17. Law says 18. That's not the issue. That's not what's going on here. As you just heard from a a well-heeled practitioner, a a well-skilled practitioner, he's probably well-skilled and well-heeled. I hope for his sake he is. Did he really think that he needed to use deadly force or is he lying? And was that belief reasonable? Well, Here's a little of Kyle Rittenhouse yesterday. TC, tell me what we're playing first. So first it was with the defense. So that's why I'm going chronologically. This is a clip that you're seeing all over cable news right now, which is when he breaks down crying and they have Being to take a break. questioned by his own lawyer, Correct. the defense lawyer. Okay, Correct. so this He's is describing Got the situation. It. Once I take that step back, I look over my shoulder and Mr. Rosenbaum... Mr. Rosenbaum was now running from my right side, um, and I was cornered from in front of me with Mr. Zeminski, and there were <laughs> there were people right there. Okay, so they adjourn for 10 or so minutes, and then a little snippet of of what occurred on cross-examination when now the prosecutor questions Kyle Rittenhouse. Everybody that you shot at that night you intended to kill, correct? I didn't intend to kill them. I I intended to stop the people who were attacking me. By killing them? I did what I had to do to stop the person who was attacking me. By killing them. Two of them passed away, but I stopped the threat from attacking me. By using deadly force. I used deadly force. That you knew was going to kill. I didn't know if it was going to kill them, but I, I used the I used deadly force to stop the threat that was attacking me. A lot of you poise. A lot of poise. A lot of poise. So today, I think it'll probably be experts on deadly force. The judge instructed the jury yesterday that closing arguments should occur early next week. And so, ladies and gentlemen, armed, pun intended, with that briefing, what are your thoughts? Kyle Rittenhouse, vigilante or patriot? The Smirconish Podcast for independent minds. Listen to Michael Smirconish live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124 or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country. 
including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. For over 130 years, McCormick has helped you make mom's lasagna to keep her secret recipe alive. Take over taco night, no matter how chaotic your day is. Conquer the bake sale, even if you get to it last minute. And craft the perfect Sunday brunch when it's not even Sunday. Because with McCormick by your side, it's going to be great.